Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the RC Retirement YouTube channel or podcast if you're listening to this in audio form. This week, let's go into something a lot easier to handle than that uh, military divorce series that we just finished. And I have to thank YouTube viewer Jason Falk for his email and idea for this episode. I actually was not aware of this particular topic, so when he asked, I had to go do a little research, and it led me to believe that this would be an excellent topic for discussion. So, let's dive right in. I'm going to talk about a very small section of the population this week, and I don't mean the tiny number of people who serve in the military. I will start with that, though. Uh, Why not? Uh, Please indulge my number junkie nature for just a moment. Don't worry, I will get to the point very quickly. The population of the United States in 2016 was 323 million. Of that, 2.197 million currently serve in the armed forces. That's 0.68%, by the way. Pretty small. The reserve components of the armed forces total 823,900. That is... 37.61% of the military population. So, when we think about why this site was created, this site exists to serve the reserve components of the military. In other words, we're talking about 0.25% of the U.S. population. How's that for a niche market? Now let's talk about reservists who are on on long-term active duty, which I am defining as over 180 days, for the purposes of this episode anyway. I don't have numbers on how many reservists are on active duty, either mobilizations or otherwise, but we can assume that of the reserve population, it's a pretty small number overall. Now let's make that number even smaller. We're going to talk about reservists who are on active duty, who are seeking employment with the federal government once they are released from active duty, or REFRAD. Of course, when you're looking for a new job, it's a good idea to start before your current job, in this case being on active duty, ends. So let's assume that's what you're doing right now. Otherwise, there's no point in you watching this episode, right? So federal agencies give preferential treatment to veterans in the form of extra rating points. They take every candidate and assign a certain number of points based on interviews and resumes and whatnot, and you get extra points for being a qualifying veteran. Usually you prove your eligibility for this preferential treatment by giving them a copy of your certificate of release or discharge from active duty, or more commonly known as a DD Form 214, 214. So whenever you hear a service member, for, for all you civilians out there, whenever you hear a service member talk about his 214, he's talking about this one page document that summarizes his total active duty service. Pretty simple. It's just a a snapshot of his active duty service, his training, awards, things of that nature. 
So, if you are on active duty and you have, and you're still on, well, yeah, let me start over here. While you're still on active duty, unless you've started terminal leave, and for, again, for you civilians out there, terminal leave is using up all of your accrued leave, or as you call it in civilian terms, vacation time. Um, if you haven't started terminal leave, you probably don't have a 214 yet. So you can't prove to these agencies with whom you're trying to obtain employment that you're eligible for this preferential treatment they give. What do you do then? Well, there's hope. It's actually pretty easy. A law passed a few years ago in 2011 called the VAL Act, the Veterans Opportunity to Work Act, included the answer to this question. Military commanders, if they are not already doing this in the first place, are now authorized to produce a statement that gives the character of service and the dates of service and most importantly, though, the character of service uh, for that member once they leave active duty. Now, I've said that twice, character of service. What does that mean? Character of service determines your eligibility for benefits from federal agencies, like the Veterans Affairs Agency and things of that nature, and sometimes civilian agencies as well, civilian companies. Sometimes they look at your character of service when thinking about whether or not to hire you. The most common one we hear, of course, is honorable. He served honorably in the military. There are other characterizations as well. Each one has its own eligibility for benefits and whatnot, and I'll go over those very quickly just so you have an idea of what's going on. So first, of course, we have honorable. This means you're eligible for all benefits from the uh, Veterans Affairs, uh, for employment preferences from federal agencies, and for security clearances if that's necessary. Next, we have a general, sometimes called general, uh, start again, sometimes called general under honorable conditions. This is a variable character of service. Uh, there are, uh, there's a whole list of what are called reenlistment codes on a DD Form 214, and the eligibility for benefits will be based on the reenlistment code and what that actually means. So I'll include a list of the reenlistment codes just so you have that much information. Be aware that list is very long. I would not recommend printing it unless you just love paper. The next character of service is called other than honorable. This is what you'll see most of the time rather than the more commonly used term dishonorable. That is still used, but only in certain situations. So other than honorable is pretty bad. If you have this type of character of service, then you are not eligible for any VA benefits, and you might have difficulty getting employment with federal agencies or perhaps even civilian companies as well. <laughs> Next on the list, we have bad conduct. If you have a bad conduct discharge, this means you have gone through a military court-martial and it has determined that you will be separated from active duty 
and given a bad conduct uh, character of service. This has the same effect as, un as other than honorable, as in no VA benefits, no preferential treatment with federal agencies, and perhaps even difficulty obtaining civilian employment. Uh, dishonorable, which is, like I said, does exist, is the same way. You have to get that through a court-martial. It's not something that's just handed out freely. And the last one, be glad, it was quick. The last character of service is called entry level, or sometimes you'll see it listed as non-characterized or uncharacterized. This is a generic, almost neutral sort of statement. It's typically for people who don't make it through initial training, you know, don't make it through basic training or their advanced uh, skill training. So they are not technically qualified service members, so you can't actually rate them as if they were. Sometimes you'll see this type of discharge also for people who have made it through their initial entry training, but they're still very early on in their careers, typically for failure to conform to military standards and things of that nature. So now that we've gone through all of that, let's take a deep breath. <sighs> all right. Now let's get into why we're actually doing this episode. So all that is done. What about this statement I mentioned earlier? What's all that about? Well, this statement is something you can get basically as a bookmark, a placeholder for a DD-214. You're, you're still on active duty, but you're within about 120 days of separation, and you need to have something to give a prospective employer. Well, if the service member is selected for employment, of course, uh, once you have a 214, you'll have to give that to the employer to verify your eligibility. But until that happens, you can use this statement. Now, there are certain types of information the statement should have. Uh, I did find uh, some examples. There's not a set format for it, but I did find some basic examples that I'll post in the references section. Uh, any statement on unit letterhead with this uh, type of information and signed by the commander or his designated appointee will do. That required information is, and I'll just read it off my notes here, that required information is name, rank, social security number, branch of service, active duty start date, date of release from active duty, and the expected character of service. That's pretty simple. The other, in, any other information that you put on here such as military education, awards, or anything else, is purely up to uh, your commander's discretion or your wishes uh, if you think that would be beneficial for a prospective employer to know. <clears throat> and like I said, I will put the examples of what I found for this statement in the references section. I found two that I thought were worth sharing. One is in a military style type of format. I think it looks kind of Air Force in its design, but it can always be tailored for whichever branch of service you happen to be. The other is a more civilian format, so you can use either one. Like I said, there's no standard template for these things. This statement, of course, is not a replacement for DD-214. 
it's just, as I called it earlier, a bookmark, a placeholder. So once you actually have a DD-214, be sure to hand that off to any prospective employers to verify any eligibility for preferential treatment you may have. So if you or someone you know is about to leave active duty and is searching for another job, pass this on to them. We have a share button for that very purpose. So please hit that button and share. This information and the other items in the references section should be of great use to them. And I will admit, I got a little carried away with the references. Uh, I found a lot of good information, so I included it all. Some, some good reading if you're up late at night. A good cure for insomnia, as I sometimes call it. So, believe it or not, after all we did in the last four weeks on military divorce, that's it. Nice, short, simple, we are done. Next week, I'll get a little more complicated. I'm going to talk about some insight I've recently gained into combat-related special compensation and how that actually works. So please join me for that. Once again, if you are watching on YouTube, I thank you for being here. I ask that you come over. I keep doing that. I'm going to the wrong side. Come over here and click on the RC Retirement logo and subscribe to this channel. Be sure to hit the thumbs up button and like uh, what you see. If you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, then please uh, be sure to subscribe that way and even go to iTunes and write a review of what you see. Let others know what you think of this channel, of this podcast, and whether or not it's valuable information. As always, I do thank you for being part of this audience and thank you for your service. Have a great day.